0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: We have a labor shortage issue. People don't want to go to work. We've got government that is uh, supplying uh, some form of, of incentive to help families make it through the pandemic. Well, now they don't want to go to work.
0: Good afternoon and happy Wednesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. And Delaney, I always say good afternoon and happy whatever day it is. I think I need to come up with some new intros.
2: Mm, that's a good idea, Ashton. Let's, we could say top of the morning to you if you're Irish or guten Morgen if you're German. That's all I got, though.
0: <laughs> you are very worldly. I always forget about your you know, global travels that you've done. I personally, I, you know, aloha, if you're one of our there listeners go. in Hawaii. Um, aloha, if you're, you know, one of our <laughs> Latin or Spanish speaking um, listeners. But I, I think that's all I got. I'm not very good with languages other than English. And even then, I struggle a lot.
2: That's okay. We can't all speak lots of languages. I know like five words in a couple other languages, and that's about it. So I wouldn't say I'm fluent by any means in any other languages. But uh, got to keep things interesting.
0: We, we certainly do because we, of course, do this show Monday through Friday. Things can get a little bit repetitive, but uh, just going to try and spice things up, I guess, going here on out. Of course, I'll be out tomorrow on Friday. So while I'm out, I'm going to have to learn a few other ways to say hello and happy Wednesday.
2: Perfect. I love it, Ashton. Good initiative.
0: That's going to be my homework that I'm going to do over the long weekend, Delaney. It is Labor Day, Memorial Day, I get them mixed up. Memorial Day is in May. Labor Day is this weekend, correct? That is correct. Awesome. Yeah. So I always get them mixed up, but either way, we're going to have a long weekend. So we're not going to have an episode on Monday. So folks, you'll have to tune in Tuesday to see if I've come up with anything interesting.
2: But other than that, Ashton, I suppose we better chat about some news for today. I've got a couple... I would say some of them are fun, some of them not so much, but do have some different pieces of news today than what we maybe typically report on. I want to start out here with this piece of news, Ashton, that is looking at a farmland sale that happened here just a week or so ago in Grundy County, Iowa. So that's about one county over from where Blaine has his farm sold for a record sale for each acre of land that was about a 75 80 acre farm in Grundy County record sale here for what these people paid for cash rent and uh it's crazy Ashton they paid a record twenty two thousand six hundred dollars per acre which is I let me do the math on that really quick but that's a
0: ton of money it sounds like it you know i we've been seeing a couple of stories similar to this where land is selling for more and more and it sounds like it might not just be in one specific area but perhaps a little bit more widespread across the us
2: yeah it's crazy i tell you what
0: it it sounds that way, Delaney. And actually, I have some audio that we'll feature in the next you know week or so talking about land, land management, prices, what the market's kind of looking like. So we'll definitely be sure to continue to talk about that. But another thing, Delaney, that we are continuing to talk about is the small refinery exemptions. The EPA says that it wants another look at its decision to grant 31 small refinery exemptions Under the 2018 renewable fuel standard, the agency says that it would have been, quote, premature to review its decision prior to the June U.S. Supreme Court hearing, where the high court said that oil refiners can receive exemptions even after they've lapsed. A federal court in Denver ruled in favor of the ethanol industry back in January in the same case. Now the EPA is asking the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia to send the Trump decision back to them for review and plans to consider any impact of petitions that have been submitted and adjudicated. Well, Ashton, I think that's a good
2: follow up from what I touched on just a tiny bit yesterday. We're starting to get a little bit more clarity there. But another big decision that we saw coming out of the Biden administration today is dealing with livestock callers and their hours of service requirements. They have now officially been deemed exempt until at least the end of November. So not a long time here before we see that can kicked down the road, but they are continuing to kick it nonetheless. Uh, so overall, small win, longer term, they still need to figure out what to do with these hours of service requirements for livestock callers.
0: I am glad that you say, you know, longer term, they're going to have to figure something out because Germany is in a similar situation in this long-term battle, but it is concerning African swine fever. The state and federal authorities said earlier today that the country is facing a long-term battle to eradicate African swine fever that has been carried into the east part of Germany by wild animals. There's been some 2036 cases Of African swine fever that have been confirmed in wild boar near the border with Poland where the disease is widespread and again this is being brought into Germany from Poland by wild animals and that's where the outbreak kind of happened last year but we're still seeing some issues and because of these issues you know China and some other pork buyers have banned imports of German pork and that was back in September of 2020 when we first started seeing these bans and it is still going on. There was quotes saying that African Spine Fever is a problem for the whole country of Germany and other parts of the European Union. So this is going to uh, be a long-term battle, but some of their strategies are including um, building fences along the Polish border to stop wild boar entering the country, increasing hunting of wild animals and stricter hygiene measures on farms, and the disease has so far been contained in border regions with Poland. But if it were, if it were to, to spread to other parts of Germany, it would definitely cause a bigger issue that we would, or not, not that we, but really that Germany would have to tackle. So although we haven't really talked about African swine fever in Germany in quite some time, it is definitely still an issue that they're going to be battling.
2: Well, another issue that we're seeing being battled right now, Ashton, is weather, which we can't control, unfortunately. But I was reading a piece of news today, Ashton, talking about the Brazilian soybean planting and harvest, which goes into effect here, of course, September 15th. And Brazilian soybean farmers heading into this new crop season are holding their old crops instead of selling them because they're expecting prices to rise further as global supplies tighten. And so they are currently sitting on this crop. They're hoarding it in fear that the La Nina weather phenomenon could limit their production in crops here in south america heading into this new season so interesting piece of news that we've got there going on coming out of brazil but we also saw today stonex brazil's team released their monthly customer service excuse me customer survey based on production estimates and it did reduce the 2020 2021 total corn production to 86.6 million metric tons and soybean numbers however were left unchanged from their previous month's estimate. So Brazil's trying to forecast ahead here protect themselves from any downside risk and really any sort of loss of production that they could experience here as we head into uh, once again a key time of year with their growing season. And so interesting market dynamic here at play. And one other thing I wanted to mention here, Ashton, as we talk about another interesting market dynamic is that today the USDA's NAS service announced that they could be having a possible adjustment to the US corn and soybean a- acreage picture. Now, the reason this is a surprise is because typically we don't see them change acreage for normal commodities like corn and soybeans. Until the October report, but they're saying they might actually go ahead and adjust acres, possible harvested and planted acres on the September report, meaning by all estimates that they could, in fact, cut acreage on these reports as well, which would be a pretty bullish factor if we do see that happen. Now, of course, we don't know for sure. This does feel kind of like a cover their tail kind of situation, but it's a very strange one nonetheless.
0: Well, Delaney, another strange kind of situation right now is concerning the coronavirus food assistance program. I know that we hadn't talked about that for a while and Last week was really the first story that we heard about that in quite some time, but I have another piece of news concerning CFAP because it has been reported that it's unclear as biofuels groups and pork producers are questioning when and if they'll get paid. As USDA continues to divvy out the COVID-19 relief funds for ag groups, reports show that funding may be nearly gone. Pro farmer Washington correspondent Jim Weismeyer says that USDA's COVID aid bucket is nearly empty with sectors like biofuels and top up payments for hog farmers still in question. He reported that following a revamped COVID relief program announcement back in March, USDA has committed $8.75 billion in assistance to farmers and ranchers, including $750 million for the dairy sector and up to a $1 billion for contract growers of pigs and poultry. USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack announced on July 13th an estimated $50 million to livestock and poultry producers forced to cull their animals when COVID-19 outbreaks temporarily slowed or shut down slaughterhouses, but there is still some unfinished business when it comes to CFAP. Weissmeyer says that only a few items remain when it comes to this COVID relief, including $700 million for biofuels and for some recent top-up payments to hog farmers that are calculated at $17 per head that are also left unpaid. So I think that that kind of raises a couple of flags, Delaney.
2: It certainly sounds that way, Ashton. But one other thing that raises some flags here is pasture and hay. Nearly 65% of pasture and range conditions in the Great Plains are not doing so well. As we know, that area is in a high area of drought and We have seen grazing conditions improve marginally after some late season rainfall here, but drought is pushing hay prices higher. So if you are an alfalfa or hay producer, you might be able to take advantage of some of these higher prices. According to AgWeb, alfalfa prices have reached about $201 per ton. With other hay topping out at around $151 per ton, which is about a 10% increase compared to what producers are spending for this time of year. So not so great if you are a livestock producer needing to get some hay to feed your livestock. But if you are a hay producer, good time to take advantage of some of these increased prices.
0: Yeah, Delaney, I also wrote a story similar to that talking about hay and prices. And there's even some conversation that we're going to feature in tomorrow's interview talking about forages and those kinds of things. So people can tune in there. But for now, I am all out of news.
2: I am as well, Ashton. It's, I think, time to look at where commodity prices finished for today and we saw again a continued slide in commodities still dealing with hurricane ida you know i i don't know enough about the hurricane system and understanding the damage and it's again too early to tell but i've been hearing some tricklings that this Hurricane Hurricane Ida might be comparable to Hurricane Katrina level disasters. So, still unknown for sure, but definitely impacting our ability to get commodities shipped out of the country, and that's been weighing on the grains today. December corn finished down eleven and a half cents to close at five twenty-two and three quarters. November soybeans down fourteen and three quarters to close at twelve seventy-seven and three quarters. Chicago wheat today down eight cents to close at seven fourteen and a quarter. And hopping over into livestock for today the October contract downs oh, excuse me up 67 and a half cents to close at 127.57 and a half. The D's up 12 and a half cents to close at 133.60. Hopping over into the feeder kit Feeder cattle market today, the October contract up thirty cents to close at one hundred sixty eight oh five. The November up eighty seven and a half cents to close at one hundred seventy fifty two and a half. And in lean hogs today, the October contract up a dollar thirty five to close at ninety fifteen the Dis, closing the day out at eighty two forty seven up fifty two and a half cents. Now, lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures, the October contract up three cents today to close at 1693, the November down two cents to close at 1722. Without further ado, Ashen, let's turn it over to our interview for today.
0: Well, for this week's Ag Labor miniseries interview, we are talking to Jared Wareham, who is a writer for Drovers. And that's really why we're having you on today, Jared, to talk about an article that you had written. But before we get into that, I just want to thank you for coming on the show today.
1: Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me.
0: So, Jared, I want to know a little bit more about you. You mentioned that you've been writing for drovers for quite some time, but you also have some stuff that you do when you're not writing. So, tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Absolutely. Well, the opinion column that I've been writing for drovers is is something I actually kind of fell into. Um, It's called New Generation. Uh, Started it when I was quite a bit younger, so I don't know if I Fall into that new generation category any longer, but i'm I'm kind of teetering. Uh, I'm a Gen Xer, so uh, may have to retitle that at some point if I continue to do it, but uh, that is something that uh, you know I enjoy doing on the side. Uh, my day to day is focused on beef genetics uh, i I am a business development uh, specialist for ABS and cover North America for my territory work primarily. And beef supply chains do a lot of work on the beef dairy side with a complementary team under the same company. Uh, spend uh, most of my time thinking about food production and how we can use genetic improvement to really push the envelope and make producers more successful, more profitable, et cetera, from the ranch in every space. And traditionally we've always focused on the ranch and the feed yard, but as the industry continues to evolve, uh, there are, increasing number of growing pains and pain points that are coming from the other spaces as we get closer to the consumer so my day-to-day takes me from the ranch to the consumer and my experience in industry the last 20 years has been in the beef genetics business uh primarily driving improvement through the commercial beef supply chain and that's uh, that's encapsulates i think my day-to-day and, and the best i can
0: So Jared, let's go ahead and move things over to this article that I mentioned. It's titled, Will a Labor Crisis Push Innovation? And again, folks, that's on Drovers. And I'll definitely link this in our description. If folks want to go and read that after they listen to us talk about it here. So let's go ahead and just start talking about it. You you talk about the issues and the, the struggles that businesses are facing in the ag sector right now. Can you list off some of those for us?
1: Absolutely. I, I think because I work in so many spaces uh, along the supply chain all across North America, you you come in contact with the actual struggles and the issues with, with having a resilient force of uh, employees to, to, to power a business. And so from, you know, feed yard spaces to the ranching side, all the way to, to the, for example, the shortages we've seen uh, in, meat products or like chicken wings, for example, uh, you know, we know that, uh, there are, there, there have been, and still are, I think, uh, issues with getting the labor resources necessary to break a chicken wing apart. So the companies or restaurants and and retail outlets that want to offer those as, as a part of the products uh, to the consumer, you know, they can't, they can't get that done. There's a shortage of it. So I, I think it's, it's labor issues in transportation uh, you name it agriculture is, is a monster and we we cover so many uh, spaces uh, of interconnecting matrix that that we were you know, we need on a day-to-day basis that's that is tied to, to some form of human equity human resource to power those businesses and they're all experiencing a pain and I I, I was just compelled to write about it because it's, it's the one of the number one conversations that dominates um, the the the, the water cooler talk or just the off, off the cuff stuff talk when I'm talking to friends or colleagues in the industry about, Hey, you know, what are you working on and what are you trying to get done? And and it always comes up. I mean, it's, and it's been that way for several years, but through the pandemic, it seems like we've just, uh, we've propelled this into a whole new stratosphere of, um, I think the potential for massive change and powerful uh, innovation is, is kind of there. It was a, yeah. I would say a, a tier five, if tier one's the top, you know, focal points of a business, it was kind of a tier five thing. Hey, we need to get better. We need to, we need to be more efficient, you know, because our drive is in every industry is to do more with less. Right. And it, 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 if it was a tier five prior to the pandemic, it's a tier one now in a lot of businesses, it has gone from back burner to front burner. Um And the, 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 the Common turn that's that's been thrown around is resiliency and supply chains. Well, there's resiliency in business uh, infrastructure and operation that that is also a, a, a major issue. So that's kind of what prompted uh, my thought process and where I was headed with that that opinion piece.
0: And in this article you you also talk about chain reactions, and obviously the ag industry is a chain. you know people will you know raise these beef animals and they send them off to harvest and so what do you think will happen if we if we don't face this issue? I mean, you say these chain reactions? can we just expand on that idea a little
1: bit? Yeah, I think where I was going with that is is for every for every everything that happens whether we, it's intentional or unintentional, there are going to be things that happen on both sides of that that line. Um, we have a labor shortage issue. People don't want to go to work. We've got government that is uh, supplying uh, some form of uh, incentive to help uh, your families make it through the pandemic. Well, now they don't want to go to work. And so I think those those parts of the equation just you know that was an intentional act that was done to help but the unintended consequences will be businesses that suffer because those employees don't want to no longer want to go to work and they're stressed and they have to go forward and run their businesses to be profitable to take care of their families well they're not going to let themselves be exposed anymore and so i if you look at it from a business standpoint most businesses have what's called a continuity plan a resiliency plan how do we make it through times of stress prior to the pandemic we have never been stressed like that ever before so it was it was something that was again in in the background we didn't know that that could impact us the way it did we didn't know a government could could step up and, and give out those payments and then people not want to work we didn't understand that that was a, a threat to being able able to to continuously operate the business so as part of their business continuity plans or strategies right now it's it's how can we avoid being uh subject or or some kind of stress event similar to what that happened Uh, how can we how can we buffer our business and i think a lot of that uh, is going to drive the innovation and the reduced need for for human labor for the human resource side of it because that's that's the direct impact um, pain point right there. So if we can figure out how to do more with less, and that less is going to be less human resources, the unintended consequence becomes, well, we've just eliminated jobs. And not only do we eliminate them, we probably eliminate them, those jobs forever. Because now we've got a, an innovation, a new process, a new strategy to, to do the same thing we've always been doing. And so I think it's, it's kicked the door wide open. Um, for uh, any idea that's written on a napkin somewhere that somebody thought up of how we can we can improve said process uh, in a in, in whether it's food service whether it's a feed yard for example uh, some feed yards are going under major renovations in their mills uh, putting in uh, you know really interesting new uh, dynamic technologies in, in their flaking ability and the amount of uh, steam flake corn and the amount that milk put out within an hour as far as the product. So instead of having three shifts of speed yard drivers and trucks running uh, 24 hours a day, they've cut that down to two. So that's the type of innovation I'm talking about. How are they going to do more with less? And does that eliminate the need? Well, we can't afford to go backwards because we can't get enough feed truck drivers now we don't have to have as many and so we're more resilient our business continuity plan is stronger and we're less uh exposed if we go through a similar process and so those those types of things are happening all over and i think are going to continue to i think we just kick the door open to vault this process forward and and make it pick up speed and make it happen faster because you know if i i go it, it, you talk to any one of them, and to, to keep their businesses moving forward and to keep the doors open themselves, they depend on human labor, and they're just struggling mightily still to get it to get people to show up. And it's it's a it's a, it's a challenge, and they are going to figure out how to deal with that challenge and move on and isolate themselves um, and create a plan so that they're no longer uh, exposed to those types of issues.
0: Now, Jared, this is a opinion piece that you wrote, and this is kind of an opinion question that I'm about to ask here. But you mentioned that, of course, you know, we're cutting down on employees when we're, you know, incorporating some of these innovations and technologies onto operation. You know, you don't have to have as many employees doing as many things, but with production agriculture being such a face to face industry, you know, it was really built on a handshake. Do you think that seeing less people in the in the field or just, you know, in production agriculture in general, do you think that that's kind of going to hurt the way that things have traditionally ran?
1: That's a great question. Um, Boy, uh, I I think a lot of the improvements and innovations are going to come in the process side of it, how we do something, how we how we break down a carcass and fabricate it. Um, How we milk cows. So the face to face and day to day in that um, probably isn't as impactful as it is maybe in the business development, business models, business outcome, how we continue to interface with other companies and customers. Um, But that's that's a possibility. Uh, As you know, we were doing this virtually uh, on Zoom this meeting right now. and, And that has changed. In the last 12 months, dramatically changed how we do business. I have calls almost daily with a global team I sit on for people all over the world. And those technological advances have allowed us to, to be more face-to-face than we've ever been instead of hopping on a flight and seeing them. Uh, once every six months, uh, people that are in our line of work can can see them on a day-to-day basis and they're only a, a message away. So I think there's some things that have actually improved the face-to-face. I do understand exactly what you're saying, that we still need to have the handshake, which I do think still goes on. Um, I think a lot of the innovation is gonna fall in those process type spaces. Um, and yeah, I I hate to see that, I I hate to see what we we think will most likely be those unintended consequences, which will be the elimination of jobs and they'll be gone forever. I think that's the real threat. That's the real uh, piece that that I think. I don't know what's wrong, but uh, right. That's, again, an opinion piece. You just see it coming as we innovate, as we change, as we seek ways to be less um, subject to outside pressure that could affect our business we're going to insulate our business from that and doing so we've, we've eliminated jobs that, you know, people need, Uh, but on the same side of that, there are jobs that were there and people didn't want to fill them. So it's a, it's a very interesting time in a lot of spaces uh, uh, as far as industrial labor, et cetera. So it's a great question you had though. I hope I answered it.
0: Yeah. I think you make some great points there. And I think, You know, it's important for our audience to remember that this is an opinion piece, but there's, you know, still factual things that, you know, we're, we're talking about here when it comes to the labor crisis here, Jared. And I want to round things out talking about some of the solutions here that you talk about in your article, everything from, you know, machine robotics and AI down to animal resources. So can we just list a few of those off here as we close out this interview?
1: Absolutely. I mean, some of the things we don't think about uh, the importance of um, being able to do more with less is is just like you said, animal resources. I mean, a really good pen rider or a really good uh, day worker or cowboy and a set of dogs uh, is probably at this point, as far as an investment for an employer, a much better investment than Five or six employees that may or may not have the experience and the skill to accomplish animal welfare and, and the the handling of those cattle, the spotting of sick cattle, to be able to reduce morbidity and mortality rates. Because that's a lot of what that boils down to. Um, I think that's important. And being able to, to utilize more animal resources uh, is maybe something that's it's already there. We're already doing it, but it might be something that actually picks up its pace. Because they're just more reliable, the skills higher, a uh, good set of dogs to, to handle cattle that can handle cattle quietly uh, are, are by far better than five or six people that don't know how to handle cattle. And so I think that's I think that's a reality. The other piece is probably uh, you know the one company I mentioned I, I'm fascinated with, uh, Ag Butler. It is, uh, it's based on kind of like a ride share technology like Uber and, and being able to uh, uh, connect businesses to willing, wanting employees that, that have the skill set to do it. And those employees can be rated and employers can be rated. And then it becomes a seamless connection. You know, what job do you have? It, it works fine. basically just like trying to get an Uber driver, et cetera. Everything's negotiated ahead of time and paid. And then. Uh, you move forward. So if you are uh, an employee that's looking for a different style of, of working relationship with a multitude of employers, that might be something that's appealing. Uh, and the same thing with employers, you can immediately dive into a vetted supply of people that want to work so those are the technologies to me that are kind of interesting new dynamic exciting because it's it's um, it's kind of taken us down a road that we've never been and probably never thought we'd go we never were looking to go this way until we figured out uh, that there was a shock to the system that that forced us to, to look for those new um, solutions so those would be the couple that really come to mind beyond the AI and, and the automation, as you mentioned.
0: Well, Jared, it has been wonderful getting to talk to you and talk a little bit more about this opinion piece and, of course, what's going on in ag labor. For our audience, those who want to learn a little bit more about you or want to read a little bit more of your pieces, where can they find you online?
1: Yeah, they can, <clears throat> you know, honestly, Google me on uh, online and, and all my articles pop up uh, uh, from the drovers, uh, website. So uh, that, that's probably the easiest way. LinkedIn, um, Snapchat, any, any of those social media platforms I'm on, I actually in my drovers column is a lot of the, the, the information regarding contact info and, um, be more than happy to, uh, to, to make some connections. So we all, we all live in the food business and the beef industry and it's, uh, you know, I'm kind of a, as, as big a nerd as anybody. So more than happy to talk.
0: Well, awesome, Jared. Thank you once more for coming on and chatting with us today. We definitely appreciate it.
1: Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again there to Jared for coming on and talking with us today. It's definitely an interesting look at the labor crisis that we're seeing right now in the world of agriculture. And it really does raise raise the question, you know, like Jared says in our interview and his article on whether or not this is really going to push towards newer innovations that are going to help our producers.
2: Absolutely, Ashton. And a great find there. So
0: appreciate that you have been
2: holding the team together here on interviews this week. Certainly appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that you appreciate me, Delaney. I guess that that's our, our magic word here today. But folks, if you want to tune into some of the interviews that we have been doing, you can, of course, do that at agnewsdaily.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss a beat. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go?
2: Let's let him go.